Here we are! What a season, what a season. George Brundle, we're here with the Golden Gizmos, the end-of-year celebration from Disrail Children of Excellence in Video Gaming. Yeah, we uh, we did the Grimmies last week, and uh, now they're dead and buried. Until next year, when we pull out the hose, and we spray Gizmo with it again, and then we just start feeding all those fuckers. Yep. It's only a matter of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not looking forward to what 2020 has to offer in that regard. Like, we're near the end of 2019, and already we have, like, the Xbox kind of priming itself for being a disaster, so... The Xbox. Yeah, I almost said Xbox X and then had to, like, reel myself in because it's just the Xbox, because they burned Spencer down and then, like, mixed his ashes in with Kool-Aid and drank it all. I like how they said this is a simplification of the brand to make it more enticing to new customers. And I'm not sure how that works because if somebody goes into a store and says, I want an Xbox, and they have to say, what one? Yeah. That's, that's not, it's not good. We already did this like whole thing uh, back when the Xbox One came out where it was just like, oh, now we have to refer to the first Xbox as like the first Xbox or the original Xbox instead of just Xbox One. Also, the Wii U. Like, that confused yeah. people if it was actually, yeah. a, like, the same thing or, like, a new version or a new thing. And so here it's like you have Xbox, Xbox 360, that's fine. Yeah. New number, new title, okay. It's it's kind of dumb, but whatever. Xbox One, very stupid. Xbox One X, and now Xbox One, or no, Xbox Series X. Series X, yeah. And I get but what actually, they're trying to no. do. They're trying to yeah. do like the iPad, iPhone thing, except, well, specifically for iPad, that also really sucks and is confusing. It's just like, it's the new iPad. Yeah. What's your thoughts on it just being an oblong box with no distinguishing features? I don't care. I don't care what <laughs> that, the box looks is... for, like for anything. It is now finally fulfilling the promise in the most pure form of just being a box with an X on it. Yeah, it sure. Is, it, why it, not? You know, it makes sense. It is the Xbox. That's why they reduced the name down to Xbox. They finally figured it out. Yeah, no, no. I think that they should name the Xbox after this just like X and then a space and then box. That would be really good. Sure. Yeah. 2X, two 2Box. Two Ludicrous is here now. I'm actually kind of mad that I can't call it uh, XXX or Triple X anymore because it's just Xbox. Yeah, that's the real so. tragedy. Anyway, enough with news. That would be a segment coming up next week. This week, it's all about gizmos. We're here to celebrate. We're here to say good job, give the games a pat on the back. Tell Sam Lake what a wonderful person he is. Thank you, Sam Lake, for all the video games. That's right. Thank you, Sam Lake. But not thank you for your appearance in Death Stranding, because uh, you're an asshole who would not go to one star until I had finished the story, uh, which was very annoying because it doesn't give me any indication that that was what it was. Uh, also, the only prepper I have still not uh, actually interacted with and like brought onto the onto the grid. Mm. Yeah, yeah. He, he's... Uh, don't bother... Well, I guess you finished the game now, so yeah, you can, but... Uh, he... Yeah. yeah. Alright! 
Actually, that might be a good warning that there could be spoilers ahead in this podcast for some of the games that we are talking about today. There, because there we could are be, gonna but I'm going to try not to. Yeah, or, we'll, or... we'll try to avoid it, but, you know, still just maybe exercise a little caution when listening to this. Also, I'm going to uh, say the date they were released has a factor. Like, we're not going to, like, fully spoil yeah. Death Stranding, but Devil May Cry 5, fair game, that came out in, like, yeah, February. Sure. Well, which which one are we uh, starting on uh, uh, with the gizmos? Ooh. So I'm positive my list that I'm referring to is out of order. <laughs> so let's start with uh, best new character. How about that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to? You who, can go who first. Who is your? I can go first. Uh, it's important to note. That while Guigi is modeled off of Luigi, a gaming icon, he could not be more distinct. Guigi is, after all, a lifeless thing, a mere shell made in the image of our protagonist. Mortally unbound, Guigi does not need to make the same moral considerations as he fears not the afterlife. The Poltergust is, at best, a temporary prison from which he is unleashed, often by his other half, who is all too willing to leverage his Tulpa's destructive capabilities against those who threaten his family. Luigi understands that Guigi is incapable of creation, only destruction. Thus, he is a perfect vessel, a means by which Luigi can commit atrocities while keeping his hands clean. Appropriately, Unlife has given Guigi his one weakness, water, the substance from which all life sprang, and with, without, no life can be sustained. Guigi is the deepest character Mario has ever had. That's a good point. I hadn't really considered Guigi. I've thought a lot about Guigi in 2019. <laughs> well, my top three, I did top threes for all of these categories except for Game of the Year, which is top five, which is also what I told you to do, but n never mind. <laughs> I, I ignored all that and I did top ten for Game of the Year. <laughs> well, so. great. Yeah, I, I figured I'd make up the fact that I didn't, you know, with anything else. To be honest, I would have difficulty coming up with ten. Uh... My three best new characters. Number three, Measurehead from Disco Elysium. Number two, Moss Mickelson from Death Stranding. And number one, Ati from Control. I have not written a thing about this yet. Uh, Ati is a cool old janitor dude who is also possibly like an elder god. And he's great. Hmm. That's my... Yeah, Talk about Ati. <laughs> I've seen some of him in what little I've seen of uh, of Control, and like the, besides him and like your protagonist, whose name I'm I'm actually I don't I don't know what her name is. Jesse uh, Jesse Faden. Okay. I don't know who else is in that game. I've heard that a uh, a video game a, a tour appears at some point in it. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I'm I'm guessing Sam Lake probably also shows up somewhere in there. I don't think he does actually huh. not that mm. i remember um james mccaffrey does max Payne. he's the director or the previous director um yeah i don't think yeah, sam lake has to be in it somewhere and i'm just forgetting hmm uh, well, you know, I can do a, a top three for mine on the fly, actually, because uh, I, I do think that Mads Mikkelsen is probably a, a 
solid number two on my list as well. Not not quite as deep of a character as Guiji. I found that no. Guiji gave me just a lot to really sink my teeth into. I spent a lot of time playing Luigi's Mansion 3 uh, with my fingers pressed to my mouth just saying, this is interesting. They're going places. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I, I think uh, number three would probably be the uh, the junk dealer from Death Stranding. Ugh. Really solid character arc. Um, I like how he uh, gets married uh, and then is abusive and divorces, but also then uh, they get back together. This is great. It's really showing that you played exactly two games this year. <laughs> Luigi's Mansion and Death Stranding. It's all you need. I had... I filled out 10 on Game of the Year, so I played 10 games All at right. least. Okay. Most of those games didn't have new characters in it, though, because it turns out a lot of those games were either remakes or, like, sequels that didn't really introduce a lot of new faces. Mm-hmm. So so my, my top three is... Look, actually, if I had to pick a legitimate, like, third character, I would maybe go with, uh... Ooh. Joff Keeley from Death Stranding. <laughs> Asshole. Uh, so, and then my third pick, Measurehead, is this giant white supremacist guy who works at a dock. And the thing about him is it's like everything about him comes together to create like an absolutely horrifying person. He has this really weird accent. Uh, I'm not sure what's supposed to be. I I bet it's the voice actor's actual accent, but he just talks to you at length about racial superiority and how he's a big fan of phrenology, and he's oh. not a fan of you because you have inferior cranial structure, and you stink of what uh, he says al ghoul, which is alcohol. <laughs> uh, and then like his portrait is. Most of the characters' portraits are pretty normal-looking, like painted versions of themselves, and his is this really impressionistic, just like splotches of color around, and then his theme is these really heavy-hitting drums and clanking. It's oh, it's so good. Measurehead's great. He's also, he really sucks, but he's great. Sure, it like sounds like a reprehensible piece of shit but also portrayed in a way that is very interesting yes exactly yeah, uh and you I'd can really beat him up a... perfect i i <laughs> did a spin kick on him i was a, i was going to ask actually if you can just attack his character or something like that because everything else you've told me about disco elysium leads me to believe that you could uh the first time i did it he just like caught my hand and was just like, okay, ha, go away. And then after that, I went and talked to another guy, and like I was able to get my skill high enough that I was able to knock him out. Hmm. Uh, so before we go on to our next category, I had, I had mentioned to you that I had a category I wanted to introduce into the gizmos, and uh, this is actually a very good time to do that. Uh, kind of hearkening back to uh, a category we did last week. Uh, back in 1993, EGM awarded uh, Best New Character to Arrow the Acrobat, which is an atrocity and a mistake. And so we here at Destroy All Children, we're going to right that wrong and name the new Best New Character of 1993. Okay, what are the options? Larry? Yeah, go, go for it. The year was 1993. Uh-huh. Bill Clinton took office. Mrs. Doubtfire was in theaters, and everyone was dancing to the Adams Family Womp. 
Whoa, the what? Was his... That's offensive Gavin? towards Italians. No, I said womp. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was this year that Electronic Gaming Monthly named Arrow the Acrobat their best new character in their Game of the Year cover story. Unfortunately, few publications at the time were naming best new character, and so EGM's award solidified Arrow as the best of the best in a year that was frankly rotten with new characters. It falls upon us at Destroy All Children to write this nearly three decades wrong. This year, we're retroactively awarding Best New Character of 1993 to the car from Daytona, USA. Uh, Who doesn't remember this spunky little guy with that excellent Hornet decal and striking paint job? There wasn't a kid alive in 93 with access to an arcade who didn't know about Daytona. And it's doubtful any left without thoughts on the game's premier vehicle burning rubber in their minds. So here's to you, car from Daytona, USA. Best New Character, 1993. I thought for sure the guy who says Ridge Racer had it in the bag, but congratulations to Car from Daytona. Ridge Racer guy's number two. Okay. Uh, number three, Fox from Cloud. He does the thing where he's like, that's pretty good. Yeah. You're going to pick somebody from Star Fox that should be Falco Lombardi. Mm. That's... That's debatable, and is probably a can of worms that we should not but open. But in order. Star Fox 64, he goes, "Geez, Louise, what is that?" Yeah, he's an asshole. Characters that he's an asshole. It's exactly. real great. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm shocked be when thankful. I play that game. He's the first to die. You just like I immediately never take him down from behind. <laughs> Watch where you're shooting. <laughs> All right, next category. But 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 you mentioned last uh, well, a lot of the stuff on your list of remakes. You want to talk about the best game of 2018 because we did not do awards last year. I forgot to put that on my list, but we are in agreement of what it is. I think. Uh, I wish you told me that that was something that I had to consider because you're the one I who brought not. it up. No, I had. Yes, you yes, did. Yes, I did not know that we agreed upon it, though, and actually decided to Whatever. go through with it. The winner of best game for 2018, Hitman 2. Yeah, like, yes. Sure. Like, I, I'm trying to, like, think of what else came out in 2018, but, not like, honestly, I can't imagine anything better than Hitman 2 coming out. I remember putting together a best of list for 2018, and the top ones were uh, Hitman 2, the Spyro remake, uh, mm. Frostpunk, Tetris Effect, and after that, I can't remember anything. Yeah, because like the, the thing about 2018 was that was the year that I really got started on my retro kick because there was just nothing else coming out. Like yeah. I, I needed something to really occupy my time with, uh, and that's what made me jump in on building raspberry pi but yeah the, the the game that i the the contemporary release for 2018 that i probably spent the most time in was hitman 2 because it's just that that is a game that not only the way that they kind of structure that thing with doing a lot of post-release content and, and trying to keep that thing reinvigorated like it's just so much fun kind of coming back to it and figuring out different ways to go at those missions and just generally cause chaos in those maps right and I mean, Hitman 2 is essentially a map pack for Hitman 1, but you know what? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And they yeah, actually and, they, and they did fix things, some things. Like, a lot of it is more streamlined than it was in the first one. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, the, the, the plot actually doesn't quite, like... The plot in Hitman 1 just kind of, like, hangs as a loose end because they wanted to do a second season to that thing. Uh, this one feels a bit more... Um, more complete while still being fairly open-ended, like you can see that there's still a lot for them to build off of with Hitman. I don't care. I don't care about the plot in Hitman. I have never cared about the plot in Hitman. I thought it was fine. It, like, it wasn't anything that I, I would say is like, oh, it's the best story in 2018. Uh, sure. But playing, and... playing Hitman 1, it did, it did bother me how that game ended because it felt very anticlimactic. And when you consider that there was supposed to be a season following right after it, that makes sense. Uh, and I think that's even felt in the way that it handled its last map, which was that, like, spa up in the mountains. That doesn't feel like this big sort of crescendo, like, that, that it's kind of a weak level for the climax of the game, whereas this one you have that whole weird, like, cult island thing, and that, that feels more. Uh, yeah, I don't like that level either, though. Because it... I, I like it. I don't like the ones where you have a specific objective that you have to accomplish and there aren't many ways to do it. So in that case, it's like getting the constant out. Which, it's the same yeah. problem I have with Sapienza, where you have the mission to um, destroy the virus and there are really only like two or three ways to do it. And so you have all of these ways you can kill the other two targets around the island, but then you just have to do the same thing each time to finish it, which... I, I don't know why yeah. they keep doing that. Hey, Hitman 2 uh, also had that Sean Bean mission in it, which is real good. Yes, that's right. And they brought yeah. it back. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, Hitman 1 had Gary Busey, and I would say that that was a better mission, but uh, I, I still like that they went out of their way to get like a celebrity cameo post-release mission into that game. Sure. Uh-oh. Which makes me hopeful that they'll do that for the uh, third game, and then also makes me very curious who they could possibly get for that. Uh, Kumail Nanjiani. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yes. I mean, that would be the best role <laughs> that he's ever played. Like, that would be, that'd be pretty good. Finally, something worthy of his talents. Yes. How can I blow him up? Yeah. I would play uh, that over. I have to get the high score. Yeah, I have to be you number to kill one on the leaderboards. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, Hit- Hitman Two is a. Uh, you know, Hitman Two also came out around the time that I started having really pronounced health problems, and that game was a very good way to just kind of like vent some of my frustration. Okay, nobody cares. Next up, uh, thank you. <laughs> How about uh, let's go? We're going with the minor categories. Uh, uh, best multiplayer. Oh, uh, why don't you lead us off with that? Because I got to figure out where I wrote words about it. I have number three, Tetris ninety nine. Number two, World War Z, and number one, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. They brought it back. They made a good Call of Duty again. Yeah, That's what I got to say I've been it. wanting to, I've been wanting to try that and have not, not gotten around to it because I don't do well with Twitch shooters. But uh, mine, mine, uh, number three, it's Apex Legends. Uh, mm. Number two, Halo Reach. Uh, <laughs> just barely, just barely squeaked in there by coming out like last week. 
And number one is Tetris 99. Uh, I am deep into Tetris's ass uh, to begin with, but Tetris 99 is probably like the most intense version of that game I've ever played. And so for someone who's, you know, played Tetris for so much of his life, that that has been probably my uh, my favorite reinvention of that game so far. Okay. Uh, it is only on my list because I liked it barely more than Apex Legends. <laughs> I didn't play like too many multiplayer games this year, so there was actually not like a lot uh, for me to consider. Uh, Apex Legends kind of makes it on the list because that's the only other one that I could really think of that I put any real time into. Sure. Uh, and it's just fine. Like, it's okay. It's nothing that really blew my socks off or anything like that. No, I mean, they made a Battle Royale game that feels like an actual finished video game. So congratulations. Yeah, yeah thanks, guys who made Titanfall who will never make another Titanfall game ever again. Nope. Uh... <laughs> Um, but specifically, shout out to World War Z. Uh, those developers made a new Left 4 Dead because Valve won't do it. Yeah, I still really need to get my hands on that game. Because um, I think that that probably would have made my list if I had actually gotten around to playing it this year. But uh, but yeah, it's Tetris for a while to me has... A, I've just played it single player and then when like a Puyo Puyo Tetris came out, I got into multiplayer that for a little bit, but... Tetris 99, man, when you're getting down to, like, the last few players and just garbage is constantly stacking on your board and you have to, like, really, really quickly figure out what the fuck to do. Like, that mm -hmm. feels great to me, especially when you manage to push it all down and then send that trash over to somebody else. Like, there's just a... feels incredibly satisfying to me to, like, watch that happen. Uh, so they pretty much just need to do, like, a Puyo Puyo Tetris 99 now because... That's the only way to make that thing like more of a nightmare to me. <laughs> I don't want them to sully the good name of Puyo Puyo Tetris with this battle royale nonsense. Mm. Uh, best soundtrack. What do you got? I, I want to mention real quick. I appreciate the fact that a Smash Brothers game came out this last year, and neither one of us put it on our goddamn list. <laughs> this wasn't even being considered. Why? Why would we? <laughs> I don't know, I just wanted to mention, because it was, like, in the Game of the Year category at the Game Awards, for fuck's yeah, sake. Yeah, also Sekiro won. Yeah, Sekiro so won. It's not going to make either of our top Game of the Year lists, no. I would imagine. Uh, if you want to hear about um, Sekiro, uh, go listen to the Golden Grimmies. Yeah. Hear Larry spread his cheeks open and take a big old bump on that game. It's real bad. Best soundtrack. What do you got? Ooh, um, you should probably lead with these because, again, my list is completely out of order from what you have, and I need to do a lot of scrolling Well, I'm not doing around. this in order, either. I'm just scrolling around and seeing, like, oh, what have we got the minor categories. Okay. Number three, Control. Number two, Rebel Galaxy Outlaw. And number one, Outer Wilds. So Outer Wilds, um, the soundtrack, it is very ambient, like I guess, as you would expect for a space game. But uh, the way every area sort of has its own theme and they're also being played by actual characters in the world, 
uh, you have like a directional microphone thing that you can use to sort of find where they are and then there's also even a achievement or trophy wait is Outer Wilds on PS4? Uh, it must sure. be it probably is uh, but game I did not play this year so I really couldn't tell you great uh, yeah. there's an achievement for if you get in a specific place where all the planets line up uh, and you use the directional microphone as they converge you can hear that all of these themes go together to create one song and that's really hmm. cool like when games do stuff like that like they give you one tune that's kind of persistent throughout the game and then start like building upon it like what what does that I'm trying to like I'm struggling for like any particular example but it's something that I remember I wish uh, Dark Souls 2 did actually where you had that kind of theme in Majula and one of the things I think would have made that uh, better is as you're adding characters to that hub if it just adds like another in- instrument like onto that song kind of fleshes it out and makes that uh, area feel more alive as you end so up like kind of your example is a game that did not my do example that, is a game wish... that did not do that. <laughs> that, that that's that's something that i wish game did that has been in other games though and i'm struggling to think i'm an exact example of that but it's something that i know i've heard okay well, Rebel but Galaxy my... Outlaw also has a whole bunch of just, like, good space trucking music. And it helps that it has radio stations with ad breaks and everything in it. And it includes, just like the first game did, custom soundtracks. So you can put your own music in there and you can even have it uh, merge with the normal game soundtrack as well. It's really cool. Uh, mm-hmm. Number three, Control. Uh, that one, again kind of ambient but it's more for the spooky atmosphere also features a really really good segment with a song from um poets of the fall who appear in pretty much every remedy game i think sam lake might be related to them or something maybe he just really likes them i'm not sure it might be like hideo kojima and low roar except not obnoxious oh hold on don't spoil my best soundtrack (laughs) of the year oh boy uh, but... I've been getting real into Low Roar lately. Uh, oh no. I've also been falling asleep spontaneously throughout the day. I'm not sure what's up with that, but uh started around the okay. same time. I'd be your, your best soundtrack, give it to me. Okay. Uh so here's I should preface this. This was not a very strong year to me for video game soundtracks. I think like the last year we had one that I felt like really made an impact on me was when uh, Persona 5 and Sonic Mania and Nier Automata all came out in the same year and had very excellent soundtracks. Yeah. Uh, even though I think I'm more I think I'm more lukewarm on your soundtrack than than you are, but it's still good. Um that was a very strong year musically. Uh this year <laughs> this was probably the hardest category for me to try to fill out. So number 3 Tetris 99's got the Tetris theme in it. That's a good video game song. Number two, Kingdom Hearts 3 has a version of Simple and Clean in it, and who doesn't (laughs) love Simple and Clean? I mean, it's a classic. It's right up there with the Tetris theme. Uh, And number one, Devil May Cry 5. 
Like that actually is I I feel more confident in because Double Trigger is a really fucking good song. Yeah, it is. That like I actually kind of came back and listened to a lot throughout this year. Yes, Devil May Cry would have been my number four. Yeah, it, that whole soundtrack is just really pounding and thumping throughout that game in a way that like a very stylized game that draws you in and does not struggle to kind of convince you on its action at all but like that soundtrack is really fucking good at punctuating everything yeah especially that's something that devil may cry has always been good at though uh like having that really it's basically just sort of grungy butt rock that i normally would never like but somehow it fits the games really well in my write-up i specifically mentioned that like devil trigger is not uh from a genre of music that i care to listen to at all uh, but there is just something about that song in particular that actually has gotten me to listen to it a lot it's also uh, um kind of the same thing with metal gear rising revengeance where the soundtrack of that is not something I would ever listen to normally, but it works in the context of the game. Yeah. And, like, in particular, I do like how that song uh, builds up the more that you're you're building your rankings. Yeah. Um, and to kind of give you an example of a song in a video game that starts to add more instrumentation to it, uh, Devil Trigger. Like, when that thing, like, kicks in and you're at your max rank, it is really, really, like your heart just starts pounding at that point your blood is rushing because you've managed to rack up a really good combo you're doing a bunch of really like awesome flips and shit on the screen you feel very empowered and then that track kicks in as hard as it possibly can it just feels really fucking good yeah definitely cry five is really good it turns out yeah that's a damn fine video game um but yeah, like I, I don't have as uh, as thoughtful things to say about soundtracks this year as as you did. Yours was very elo- eloquent. Uh, mine was just was? yeah. I don't know. I had like three songs that stood out to me in 2019. Oh, well, okay, including Tetris yeah. theme. Actually, I'm going to remove Kingdom Hearts from there and swap in uh, Link's Awakening because like those renditions of of that soundtrack is really really good yeah whatever um, Best it does graphics. a lot with a soundtrack that was just a bunch of screeches and beeps and boops from a game boy like it sounds great sure uh, best graphics you got oh. number three well so this is a complicated category to come up with because for one thing we should note is not just like uh most te- highest res textures or something uh, specifically, our winner for every previous year has been an Arc System Works game. Uh, started with Guilty Gear Zerd, and then the next year, Guilty Gear Zerd Revelator came out. Yeah, uh, I no, feel no, last the, year probably would have been Dragon Ball Fighters. One of them was Cuphead. That might have been. Oh yeah, that might have been the year Zerd came out, but uh, or uh, Revelator, I mean. But I'm pretty sure Rev Two then got it. And then, yeah, Dragon Ball Fighters. And yeah. then last year we didn't do this, so. Well, last year I thought it would have been Dragon Didn't Dragon Ball Fighters, that was a 2018 game. I thought right? it was 2017. Oh, man. I'm not sure, <laughs> I'm not sure now. Because I, I feel like I remember giving the gizmo to Dragon Ball Fighters. Yeah. Well. Let me check. I'm going to look. 
Uh Oh yeah, January 2018. Okay. Weird. I I don't know why I'm terrible with dates in general, but I can just pull video game release dates out of thin air and get them right with such regularity. Okay, Cuphead was 2017, so that was what won it that year. Yeah, that sounds about right. And so it was probably Guilty Gear Zerd, and then Zerd Revelator, and then Rev 2, and then Cuphead. Yeah. Uh, So my number three for this category is uh, the Resident Evil 2 Remake. Uh, my number two uh, is Mortal Kombat 11, and my number one would go to Death Stranding. Top okay. most prettiest graphics of the year, Death Stranding. I mean, I could stare at Norman Reedus taking a shower for hours. It feels like I'm right in the room with him. None of the games you mentioned are on my list. Number three, Control. <laughs> number two, Devil May Cry 5. Number one, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. That game looks really good in the campaign, uh, which is That's... surprising. And you know what? It runs at 60 frames per second, mostly. Just like Devil May Cry 5. Uh, Devil May Cry 5, I think, would probably be my number four. It looks um, really good, and the facial animations and stuff are really good, too. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it deserves... It might need to be number three on my list. Just actually, rewatch the I'm part just... where Dante does the Michael Jackson dance for no reason. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of in particular. Also, I really like off-brand Adam Driver. Sure. Mm, I don't for know. Me, it's that about might actually. Yeah, in I fact, think I might need to swap that out. That's also a big reason of why Devil May Cry would have been my number four for best soundtrack is Nico's van theme. Which is yeah, so good. A, yeah, I was about to bring up like, hey, going back to a second, the Devil May Cry Five soundtrack, Nico's theme is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, the thing about like Death Stranding that really got me uh, is just those moments in open world games, especially ones where you're out in the wilderness, where they try to get you like up on some sort of like high vantage point and just kind of show you the breadth of its world and. Death Strandings, I think, was the most believable for me when it came to doing something like that. Like, actually staring out off into the distance, it felt like a real living world to me. There was a lot of points in that game where, like, I could get a real good sense of just, like, how humid it must be out here, or how cold, or just how thick this mud must be that Sam is trudging through. Like, those settings those environments are nothing that i've ever actually physically been in because that game does not look a goddamn thing like actual america uh, but it was still very good about like drawing me in and giving me a palpable sense of what it must be like to be in the middle of that world sure uh death stranding looks good uh, to me the world was kind of sterile and there wasn't like it looks nice and it's fun to traverse but I don't know, there was something about it that just it didn't wow me as much. The reason Control took it, because um, Death Stranding would have been my number three, is because of the destructibility in the environments in Control, which I found a really fun every time. And being able to just use your force push or whatever to smash through an office was always really fun, and watching all the crap fly around. See, I think like Control probably would have 
like made a strong impression on my list too had i played that game this year it, i tried to play the game and it might be worth bringing this up now because it's going to be conspicuously absent from all lists uh, my pc has a uh, gtx 980 in it which is not enough to run control reliably uh it pretty much wanted to default to like low texture and low effects and everything and even the frame rate was just taking an absolute crap on me uh and i don't think that game's going to run any better or look any better on a base playstation 4 so i'm kind of like holding out uh, to pick that up for a playstation 5 at this point so yeah. i think even if i did like just sort of like suck it up and play it on pc i would not have obviously gotten uh the same impression from it graphically that i mean i didn't have it on max or anything i have a gtx 1080 and I had a lot of things on medium, but it's still not necessarily, again, like the ray tracing or whatever. I've been over this, but I don't care about ray tracing at all. And so <laughs> You and everybody else. No, there are people who are way into it. Like, this is really? the biggest thing ever. It's going to revolutionize video games. It's like, okay, people said that about screen space ambient occlusion, and I hate that. Yeah. Uh, I turn it off any time That's going to revolutionize the industry. Tress effects are alright. Tress effects at least look like actual... Looks like something you can see, unlike ray tracing. I remember running the uh, the benchmark for Tomb Raider with Tress effects on and just being like, yeah, this looks really fucking good. Yeah, yeah. Man, I need to play that third one. Uh... Yeah, I don't know. I just really like the Decima engine. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn also looked like an incredibly beautiful game to me. Uh, so I, I think Kojima made a wise choice going with that. They got a lot out of it. Uh, yeah, I think Horizon looked better than Death Stranding, actually. It, like, it just, yes. But it I, I also, also would ran agree like garbage. With you. But... I would agree with you that Horizon looks better than Death Stranding, but unfortunately it did not come out this year. Uh, so disqualified. <laughs> All right, next category. Uh, let's go with most moxie. Oh, one of the best categories of the gizmos. Uh, yeah, uh, one that I only un- unfortunately could only really think of one, uh, but it was also pretty readily like the one that I knew deserved the top spot, at least for me. Okay, what is it? Blazing Chrome. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is a game that I think is not particularly strong as like an actual video game that you would sit down and that you would play, uh, but it completely nails the aesthetic and the sound that it was going for, and I appreciate the hell out of that because if... I, I really, really like Contra, man. Contra Hardcore, Contra Alien Wars, and like this game just dead-on nails that vibe. Uh, it's just unfortunate that it kind of kind of drops the ball when it comes to actually matching that gameplay though like yeah i didn't finish it i i just like dropped off of it surprising because it's like an hour and a half long <laughs> i know really short game i know i did not play uh, it very long yeah like it, it, my biggest issue and i think it was probably the same one that you had uh is how in contrary you know your weapon variety is everything uh and you have so much of it, in fact, that in games like Contra Hardcore, your different weapon upgrades is your character that you have access to. In Blazing Chrome, not the case. 
Uh, you have two shooty characters, you have two melee characters, shooty characters share the same upgrades, and none of those feel particularly good. Uh, none of them feel like I, I, I felt like inclined to go with one over the other, like I kind of just stuck to the default weapon. And then the stabby characters, they don't really get anything. Yeah, and, and yes, that was really the main thing, was the weapons. I just, there wasn't anything in there I felt good about. Yeah, but the sprite work in that game uh, is incredible. I oh, really yeah. like the designs of the bosses. Like, they look good and gross and massive in the way that a, a Contra-style boss should. Uh, I like the, the the tunnel level where you have, like, this mode 7 behind the back thing. You're flying through, like, a... Kind of like a Death Star 2 tunnel while you're, uh, you got like a jetpack on. Like Space Harrier. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot like Space Harrier. Um, yeah, just a, an incredible looking game, a game that really just nailed this vibe, uh, like a Contra kind of vibe, and, uh, bummer about the part where you play it. Okay, well. Fucking bummer about that. (laughs) So, uh, most moxie for me number three a medieval number two ancestors the humankind odyssey and number one hypnospace outlaw leave it to the creators of bizarre nightmare clown adventure game dropsy to make a 90s geocities simulator it's such a great idea it makes you wonder why nobody else has attempted it and when playing hypnospace outlaw it becomes clear it would drive anyone creating it insane. I'm guessing that's exactly what happened to them, because otherwise the fact that this is a product available for anyone to purchase is completely inexplicable. I don't think I've ever even heard of that. You you must have. You must have I thought I at least made you look at the quick look on Giant Bomb or I... something. Yes, I've that... shown you screenshots from it. I showed you the ones uh, with like the sounds... the skeleton man on the motorcycle burning rubber i don't remember any of this okay well so that's bizarre i don't remember any i need to look up this game uh because yeah like a nightmare geo cities game by the people who made dropsy sounds fantastic it's to me. super good uh yeah which is something that we actually should have brought up before we did most moxie most moxie is a a game that is uh mostly just very stylistic very interesting uh it doesn't necessarily mean that the game has to actually be good or fun to play. Well, to me, it's more about a game for most moxie. When you play it, you should be admiring that the developers went for it. So, like, yeah. a medieval is a essentially an homage to Heretic and Hexen. Mm. In the, I, I don't like it as much as Dusk. Uh, which was their previous game, which was more of a Quake type. But the fact that they went all in on it is really something to behold, and it is very fun. And that is something that I do appreciate about uh, Blazing Chrome is, you know, kind of look at uh, Bloodstained and how that's very much going for um, a Castlevania kind of vibe, both the 8-bit one and uh, the kind of Symphony of the Night thing that they're putting out. Like, those sort of... uh, retro style homages are kind of a dime a dozen at this point uh but the thing with some of those is they have like the original creative team or at least like the dude behind it so like obviously uh 
you know, you have like Inafune behind Mighty Number no. Nine, uh, but with Blazing Chrome, it's very much just a team that appreciates Contra games sitting down and trying to make the most Contra ass thing they could, and I really appreciate that. Like the independent team went for that. Sure, and uh, also like for an example, I could see putting a Sonic Mania on my list for most Moxie, even though I don't really like the game. Uh, I still can appreciate what they did with it. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way with Ancestors, which I have here at number two, is that that game is not the sort of Tokyo yeah. Jungle or Cubivore uh, successor that I was looking for. Yeah, But, but boy, they, someone sure made it. They, <laughs> that yes. video game. Michelle Ancel sure did. Wait, Patrice Desley. Michelle Ancel, I don't know what he's up to. He's He's mm. got that wild thing which will never come out. Yeah. Well, oh, and Beyond Good and Evil too, of course. Yeah. Um, but look, you can you play send us your art assets for Beyond Good and Evil too. <laughs> yeah, we'll put it in. It's for exposure. We we got we got Joseph Gordon Levitt here and everything. This game is coming out, folks. Don't worry, he is he he guarantees that you will get paid if they use your stuff in the game. How much? I don't know. You won't know either <laughs> until you get a check. It, they should ramp up to the release of that game by bringing out another member of the uh, Third Rock from the Sun cast every year. Kristen Johnston finally, comes they, out. Yeah, when they've completed it all, that's when they release Beyond Good and Evil. Okay, yeah. The, the, well, who would they say for last? It'd have to be John Lithgow, right? Or what? would you want him out no, first Wayne, in case he dies? Wayne Knight. Wayne Knight, because then you, you think like, oh, the cast is assembled, but the game isn't here yet. And then you remember Wayne Knight. <laughs> He's the key to all of this. Well, they can't bring out Jan Hooks anymore, so. Yeah. Yeah, no, I uh, I really should check out the games that you put on your list. I think that those, uh, from what you described, definitely sound like they... I think that's similar to Control, but I think if I sat down and actually played those, I would have a much different list. Uh, but for me, Blazing Chrome is... Uh, I really appreciate what they were going for. But... I'm a big, stupid, dumb fan for uh, Contra, and uh, it, similar to how I'm a big, dumb fan for Tetris. So. Yeah, I yes, I really think you should play Hypnospace Outlaw. I thought you had already at least seen it. Um, I probably did, and just for whatever reason, completely forgot about it. Maybe. Yeah. It, it's a game where even the tutorial is very funny, and mm. I won't say why, but you'll see. All right, uh, best remake slash remodel. Uh, this is a category that basically exists because I wanted to make a 2019 joke fucking happened. <laughs> well, no, we've had this category I think since the beginning. Uh, oh. Basically, it was because I wanted to make a Roxy Music joke, and also nah. I think it was because I wanted to give an award to Oddworld New and Tasty back when that came out. I'm pretty sure that was the reasoning. This was not on the list that you sent me to prepare for, but yes, I, I already know exactly uh, what I'm going with for this category. It absolutely was, but okay. Uh, my number three, Mario and Luigi, Bowser's Inside Story. That's a game that came out this year for the 3DS. It did? Yes, it did. It's a remake of the DS game Bowser's Inside Story. Nobody knows about it, nobody played it I didn't play it, but you know what? I like Bowser's Inside Story a lot And I needed a third game for this list So there it is (laughs) 
Number two, Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled. And number one, shocking, Resident Evil 2. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have really only two that I played uh, this year, so I'm unfortunately not able to fill out a full three, but my number two would be Link's Awakening. Uh, that is one of my favorite Zelda games of all time. Might actually be my most favorite Zelda. Um, I think that the remake is not quite as good as that original one. Um, it maybe is uh, a bit too faithful to it, and the one way that they try to expand on it is that completely suck-ass uh, Dampe's uh, map creation thing. Oh, yeah. And then also, like... The frame rate constantly taking a dive in this uh, Game Boy remake. What the fuck is up with that, Nintendo? Yeah. Uh, but it's still Link's Awakening at its core, and that is a game that I really like. And so, you know, my complaints about it are are very few, even though uh, I, I I think that because the rest of that game is so solid and I like it so much that the few issues I have with it are just that much more pronounced because they are kind of baffling to me uh but my number one is uh the resident evil 2 remake um i really really like resident evil i actually think that i am maybe uh have a more middling opinion of the original resident evil 2 than most people do so this remake uh recontextualizing that game i i like it a hell of a lot more than the original so i do too Actually, it's um, I like the original quite a bit, but yeah, the remake is better. Like, I, I mean, I obviously, you're... I think it's just that type of game just doesn't age well for one thing, and so see, I can come back to those like endlessly, but there was just something about Resident Evil 2 that didn't leave uh, as strong of an impression with me as the first one or three, which is why I'm like really, really excited to see what they end up doing with the Resident Evil 3 remake. In particular, because three is easily my favorite out of that, like uh, PlayStation. Jill's got a forehead. She does. But I can Claire tell you that. Also had a forehead, and that just seems to be a thing that they're doing. I wonder with if these remakes. I wonder if it's maybe related to like, when they scan the actors or something. I wonder because it's yeah, just like they're kind just... of pasting the face over it and then putting the hair around it, and it just doesn't end up quite yeah. right. I don't know whole lot ahead on these ladies um yeah i also like that you can mod that game so you can have uh dmx music playing when mr rex shows up which i know that's not part of the package that's not the game as it was intended but boy it's fucking good it should have been they should have licensed it definitely um yeah, I think also just the ways that it kind of uh, changes up what you would expect uh, from Resident Evil 2 is is really interesting as well. Like, in particular, the fact that Mr. X shows up much, much sooner in the campaign versus where he is in, uh... In, uh... In Resident Evil, in the original game. <laughs> okay. I didn't know I cut out there. Oh, um, I thought you just, like completely no, no, blanked no. and we're just sitting there like uh... <laughs> no no i i think that by that putting him in that game much much sooner uh that's real good like that kind of throws you off yeah um because yeah the original he was like the b scenario thing see like, that's the thing though it. that wasn't really surprising to me because i remembered him as being in there kind of the whole time 
and so it wasn't like oh man mr x is here it was like yeah mr x is here you know that mr is, x this is also like one of the few resident evil games that actually like spooked me real good like it was the bit where you're kind of going up towards uh you're like as high up in the police station as you can possibly get you're like fucking around with the gears and stuff and I could just hear Mr. X stomping right outside the door, and I was like one hit away from dying. And I was just sitting there going, like, he gonna like come in here because I'm cornered. I know I can't get out there because he's just he's right outside the door, man. This is a bad time. Yeah, it's um I feel good. The only problem is it sort of takes away from it when I realized that Mr. X yeah. doesn't actually do that much damage. He should be able yeah. to almost one shot you, but yeah. Also that he won't go into certain rooms And that room that I was in was one of those rooms He wouldn't go into So I sat in there for like 15 minutes Just trying to figure out like okay what the fuck am I going to do Oh he and, won't go uh, in there? I thought I saw I thought I'd seen videos of like him In that clock room No he will not go in that room At all Okay. Uh, I think like I think that they designed it So that you couldn't be put in a room Where there was basically no escape from him And that room is just a dead end Okay. And it's a very confined space. I don't even know how you'd like to. But um Yeah, no man, the Resident Evil 2 remake is is real good. It is. Yeah. Okay. Joining uh, you know, fine pedigree of uh <laughs> I mean there's only one other in there, the Resident Evil 1 uh remake, which is also an incredibly good remake. So I'm hoping that uh 3 is a, is a, as of high a quality as those other two. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, of course, it is also being dumped out a year after Resident Evil 2 came out, so who knows? Yeah. That has me a little bit worried. Um, but still, man, like, Capcom recently has been kind of killing it. Mm hmm. Like, I mean, Capcom's really bounced back. And so, like, I, I think that I'm not as worried about Resident Evil 3 as I reasonably should be, although I am a, a little concerned given how short that gap is between the two of them. I mean, when was the Resident Evil 2 remake announced? Because it was a while ago. The yeah, Wii like it, it was announced... Yeah, it was announced a few years before that, and I think that they were hinting on Twitter that they wanted to do it for some time even before. Uh, so I was wondering if maybe, like, once they were starting to wind down on 2, they were already working on 3. Yeah. And I I don't know, maybe there was another team that began work on 3 uh, while production was... Um... Could be. I don't know. Because uh... no, no. they also got that like online thing going on at the same time, and that's going to be packaged in with 3. So I, I, wonder, I wonder how the production schedule lined up for those three games and, and how they divided the team up. Well, that, I bet, is like a completely different studio doing that yeah. mode. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's go with best writing. Uh, I've got number three, Hypnospace Outlaw. Number two, Control. And number one, Disco Elysium. The only thing I wrote about this is Disco Elysium is a game where your tie can talk to you and tell you to do drugs. <laughs> You have been sharing a lot about Disco Elysium with me ever since uh, you got that game, and I don't think I've heard one thing about it that I don't like. It's so good. 
the only thing preventing me from getting around to it right now is I want to finish Majora's Mask as as the last game that I play for the decade. Uh, and then when I'm done with that uh, in January, I think I'm going to start Disco Elysium. Yeah. Good. Yeah. But... Yeah, I've I've adored every screenshot that you've sent me, everything about like the writing and the dialogue in that game that you've kind of passed my way. Yes, the only uh, thing I will say about it, and I've mentioned to you, is that it really could have used an editor in parts because there are bits where it just goes on and on and on, and I feel like part of that is because I have so many points in Encyclopedia, which is the part of your brain that tells you about the world and the lore and everything about it. And so if I didn't have as many points in that, it probably would not be nearly mm-hmm. as overwhelming. Uh, but also that's something good to have the first time you go through it. And if I replay it, which I think I probably will, um, you could kind of just steer around that stuff. Like you can tell people, I don't care. I don't need to hear any of this, etc. Um, I don't need to know about the... Was it like the void or the the phase or something that this one lady talks to you about for a long time? Uh, what the moralist police corps are up to? It doesn't matter. All of that stuff I don't really care about. I like the parts where I have to radio into police HQ and tell them I lost my badge and also my gun, and then all of the other cops laugh at me. It's the thing that I've gleaned from that game is that the writing team must have had a lot of fun working on it like just considering how much of it there is and just how quality the writing is from what you've shown me yeah it's it's just really funny and yeah. also spooky in a way that i really like it it's basically it's almost the purest video game version of twin peaks in a way mm. um and obviously it has lynch aspects in there like there you have a skill called inland empire they're uh, like they obviously know what they're doing, but it's not a straight ripoff of that tone or that vibe. It's just yeah. like the way it mixes sort of standard police procedural, and it's sort of an alternate history, or it could be the future. I'm not quite sure. They Feels just inspired say, by it, and that they took the right things from that, unless that they're just. Yeah, it's not like, oh, you found a severed ear in a field or, you know, something like that that a lot of games would try to do to evoke. Like Deadly Premonition. I I like Deadly Premonition, (laughs) but, you know, you find drugs in a motorcycle's gas tank and stuff like that. It is not hiding it at all. And there isn't stuff like that in here. Especially when you look at the original version of Deadly Premonition where they had to actually like remove things because it was visually too close to Twin Peaks. Yeah. To the point that like maybe maybe David Lynch could get a little litigious over it and he would have <laughs> ground to stand on. Right. I mean, um, even in the finished version of that game, it's like you're you're in yes. a red room. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so I have exactly one on here. Um I was going to make this point that I felt that 2019 was just as weak uh, with writing as it was with music, but you've definitely played some really well-written games this year that I unfortunately have just not gotten my hands on. Um, When I wrote my little thing for it that will go up on the side, I had actually mentioned that I figured Control, if I had played that, would probably get the top spot. But uh, in the time since 
everything I've I've learned about Disco Elysium makes me think that that would definitely be it. So I put Death Stranding because it has the most writing. <laughs> okay, that's all those emails. God, there's so much. There's so much writing in Death Stranding, and unlike Disco Elysium, it seems like one person had fun writing it, <laughs> and that no one else gave a shit. Um, God, I don't know. It, I have very conflicted feelings about it. It's my number one just on the, by virtue of the fact that I don't think I played many games this year that had good narratives. Uh, it's a Kojima-ass narrative, and I just appreciate that he's being allowed to do his thing again. If you wanted, you could just count the screenshots of Disco Elysium I've sent you okay. and say, like, okay, that's my number one. Yeah, no. That's not, actually, you know what? Revised list. Number three, Death Stranding. Number two, Kingdom Hearts 3? And then number oh. one, screenshot, Disco Elysium. I don't know about Kingdom Hearts being above Death Stranding. Kingdom Hearts at least has, like, good, wholesome messages in it. Uh... And right... And Ratatouille from Ratatouille is in there, and you, you get to cook food with him, and then Scrooge McDuck comes in, and he tells you you did a good job. And Remy doesn't even a, talk. Gives you a star. Because they couldn't afford <laughs> Patton Oswalt. It's a testament to their writing that they made his character feel so alive with no dialogue. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you gotta crack those eggs. Those minigames sucked. Oh god. I really yeah, enjoyed they how they had really long loading times before each one too. Kingdom Hearts is the most flawed game that I enjoyed this year. Like easily. There's so much about it that's fucking terrible, but I still had a good time. So you might yeah, say I don't know, man. it's got Moxie. Yeah. Some might say that they really went for it by making another Kingdom Hearts in the year twenty nineteen. Oh. Yeah. Um Alright. Yeah, no, I, yeah, it's game narratives in 2019 largely fell flat on their face for me. So, before we get to the two big categories, we've got mm -hmm. a very important one we do every year. Mm. Almost was not available this year, but uh, he pulled it out. Best Troy Baker, our special boy. Who's Troy. your best? My here, I've got. I'm going to count this one down from number one, because we know what number one is. Number one, Higgs in Death Stranding. Of course. Number two, Theron Sean in The Old Republic, Onslaught. Okay. And number three, Additional Voice in Call of Duty Modern Warfare. <laughs> Credit where credit's due, though omnipresent for a long time, Troy Baker is a pretty good voice actor, and this year he managed to make a ridiculous dumbass one of Death Stranding's best characters. The character of Theron Sean also came back in the newest expansion to Star Wars The Old Republic, which is still a thing you can play, and he did a grunt or something in Call of Duty, I don't know. Hex in John Wick Hex is not on this list because he sucked in it. It was Troy Baker doing a southern accent with cotton balls in his cheeks. Terrible. Mm. Yeah, I uh I think the only Yeah, Higgs would be my number one. I but also like not even scratching like my top favorite Troy Baker performances. No. He really chews the scenery up in a in a pretty good way, but uh 
Yeah, I feel like this was a, a weak year for Troy. Who do you think the all-time best Troy is? I feel like it's probably um Sam Drake. McCree from Overwatch. <laughs> That's not Troy Baker. I know, I know. He still just sounds like a dollar store version of Troy Baker to me, yeah. though. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm actually not sure. I'd have to put a, a lot of thought into that, but I do think he was pretty solid in uh in Uncharted. Yeah. Well, either way, that's best Troy Baker. We have to yeah, do it. Sure. Yeah. Every year. What was the uh, time to Troy? What was the time to Troy Baker in Call of Duty? Do you got a got a number I don't on know. that? I haven't really. I did not notice him in it. Mm. I, I do like though that Troy Baker I guess is now just personal friends with Kojima and so he will appear in every Kojima game sure like, why not like that's the, sort of uh, with Metal Gear Solid 5 it felt that Kojima very much wanted to get into like actual Hollywood actors uh, but you know he only had Keith Sutherland at that point that's all Konami could afford but then Death Stranding he got his wish and pretty much the entire cast at least doing like the uh, the, the face render and the mocap and everything is like the actual actors mm-hmm. uh, except for Troy Baker the one the, the voice guy who is still like face captured and everything and playing his own so you can tell that they just really get along with each other I guess sure yeah. so here it is uh, second to, oh wait You've got a category, right? Uh, I do. What, what what do we have left, actually? We have Best Game Under $30 and Game of the Year. Okay. Well, uh, so let's do Best Under 30 before we do okay. the, the other one. Yeah. Best Game Under $30 is a category that exists because uh, the phrase indie game or downloadable game do not make any sense in uh, the 2010s. It's not a time when... Like Xbox Live Arcade was a new thing, and you could say like, "Oh, the, well, what's the best indie game this year?" Because everything is an indie game unless it isn't, uh, and everything is downloadable. So hmm. we figured the best way to separate these out would be to say uh, under thirty dollars to sort of showcase like a a lower priced game, which oftentimes I find more enjoyable than the full priced ones anyway. But, yeah. you know, sometimes there's stuff that doesn't quite make the cut otherwise. Like, uh, one year it was, uh, Phoenix Wright, I think, that I had on it. Sounds right to me. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, number three, Rebel Galaxy Outlaw. Number two, Outer Wilds. And number one, Hypnospace Outlaw. A big surprise. Yeah. So it has some overlap with another list of yours. uh, It's going to have another overlap on another list too. Hypnospace Outlaw is a game where you're an internet cop browsing horrifically garish web pages for copyright infringement, cyberbullying, and so on. Or you can just go see what some guy's weird uncle has to say about the fat cats in Washington and then download an ice cream jingle. You can also decorate your desktop with six skull gifts. If any of this is appealing to you, go play Hypnospace Outlaw now. Within 30 minutes of playing it, I laughed out loud multiple times. I think the last game I did that was Jazz Punk, itself a masterpiece. Uh, I had only uh, two games that I think actually qualify for this. I did not... uh, I didn't play very many games this year that actually qualified at the under $30 price tag. 
so my number two would be Blazing Chrome, which is definitely not number one uh, for the aforementioned uh, mechanical issues that I have with it. Uh, and then number one is Tetris 99. Uh, so far, under $30, it is in fact free. <laughs> sure. <laughs> which makes it the most under 30 game in 2019 for me of, of note um, this is based on msrp at launch obviously um <laughs> which that that's I, a problem I, world war z probably would have cracked this list but it was 35 yeah, yeah i uh i did bring up in uh, in my write-up for this though that uh technically you need a subscription to nintendo switch's online service which for a year would net you 20 dollars. so even by that standard of still needing to pay money to get at the game you're still paying under 30 bucks sure i didn't really think about that yeah. or uh, that yeah. also might have had a shot but eh. Eh, i don't know i i got a lot of mileage out of um ostensibly free game i mean i still pay 20 dollars so i could have the online service uh which i wanted to get for other things but um i did not pay anything for it because it was uh free from amazon prime yeah which i think like that only uh was a thing after i also bought the subscription besides that so uh for me the subscription was more worth it to play demon's crest wherever i go with the super yeah. nintendo virtual console thing yeah by the way, have you used that? Uh, I played around in it a little bit, but the thing is, most of those games that they have up on that is stuff that I just have on my retro pie anyway. Yeah. Um, well, I just actually specifically because Demon's Crest is also on there. So. I just wanted to shout out their really cool uh, organization thing on it, where you can move the boxes around on the grid and whatnot. Yeah, it's really fun. It's cool. I. I do really like the layout and everything that they have for that that application. So. Yeah, it looks wish, the, wish they um, did that for other stuff. Sure, okay. <laughs> there's a lot of things I wish Nintendo would do that they're definitely not going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it's uh, kind of a wonder that they're even saying that they're going to put more Super Nintendo games on that thing, uh, because I think like they're the previous thing that they had put out for that was like, hey, by the way, we have like no. Uh, no plan for what's going to come out on this thing or like what a schedule is going to look like for updates. And then I think like just recently they said they were thinking about like a few certain titles that they were going to bring out to it. So, okay. Yeah. You know. All right. What's your category? Uh, best old game of the year. So this is uh, similar to the worst old game of the year that we did last week. Uh, so the same uh, qualifier is in place where this has to be a retro video game that we played for the first time within the last year and actually completed within the last year uh which for me is final fantasy 9 um this is a game that i had been interested in for a very long time uh but sort of just never got around to because it was maligned within like the final fantasy community uh turns out it's like the best one so <laughs> i wish like i didn't fantasy put it off for so long like, did you just ignore everybody who always said Final Fantasy IX was good? No, like, a lot of the people I knew, like, derided it constantly. Uh, I even remember, like, back in the day, that was the one that people, like, everyone was obsessed with 7 and 8, and no one really cared about 9, uh, which I think is actually kind of kind of due to the fact of uh, it being released in a really awkward position, like development of eight and nine happened at the same time so the turnaround for getting nine out was very shortly after eight and then they were already going like hey final fantasy 10 it's going to be on the playstation 2 
it's voice acted. Yeah, you can hear Titus so, going, ha, 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 ha. Oh, it's a game changer. Uh, so, no, I, I think part of why it maybe was uh, not really talked about much and, and all I heard about it was kind of negative is is partly because everyone was just gushing over 8 at the time and excited for 10 and not really talked. Yeah, weird, because I always really liked it. Also, I feel like it is widely accepted that Vivi is one of the all-time best RPG characters. And to be fair, I've never heard anyone say a negative thing about Vivi in my entire life. Of course not. If they did, them in the gallows. Yeah, no, I would not associate with that person. <laughs> um, of course not. Yeah, but like nine, nine. Uh, like, not only do I just really enjoy it as a as a game, like I, I just find it incredibly fun. It, it's especially refreshing uh, having its whole like magic system be very simplified compared to eight, which is a goddamn nightmare. Like, Nines is just like, oh, your equipment has magic associated with it. Like, wear the equipment and use the spell enough, and then you unlock it for your character. Very straightforward. Very easy to wrap my head around. Uh, that game is also very good about keeping party members kind of in rotation so you get some time with everybody. And, like, not one character. Like, I, n I never felt like I was shafted by having somebody removed or added to my party. Uh, which is a, a testament to that game because I've played a lot of JRPGs and I've tried to go for a similar thing and have just made me feel miserable with who they have given me. Digital Devil Saga, for example. I was just about to say. Or are you talking about DDS? Oh, yes I am. <laughs> Fuck that game. The one SMT game that I actually just outright don't like. Um... But I think, like, on a more sentimental level, like, this last year for me uh, has had me kind of confront uh, mortality in a way that I've not up to this point uh, with family members becoming very ill, passing away, health issues. Final Fantasy IX deals with the concept of death, coping with death, and getting something more out of life in a way that I was kind of not expecting. So it was, like, the right game at the right time to kind of help me some of the stuff I was going through uh, this year. So made a, a very big emotional impact on me at the same time as just really being a very solid game in its own right that I think probably would have still been my top pick for this year, even if that other stuff didn't happen. Uh, like, I, I also just, I, I really enjoy the fact that it kind of went back to the uh, more high fantasy uh, style of Final Fantasy games as opposed I don't know, whatever the fuck is going on. That, that school's flying in the air. Squall's gun is also a sword. Yeah, it's gun blade. That shit's... Both a ugh. gun and a blade. I hate it. I hate the gun blade. I like it. Gun blades are good. Mm. Yeah, uh... Gun blades are Final the Fantasy... right amount of stupid for a Final Fantasy game. Yeah, the gun blades are actually fine, but... Like, that's actually, like, so I've played Final Fantasy VIII, and that's the one that I was not able to finish. Um, so it's really amazing to me that those games were in development at the same time, because Final Fantasy IX, I think, just gets absolutely everything right, and it's just a really fun experience, whereas Final Fantasy VIII just made me want to die. I like that made eight. me confront death in a way that is not healthy. I like eight, but okay. Ugh. Ugh. Junctions? Ugh. And draw my spells out of the ground. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Sure. Gotta go up to this bench and draw like 99 cures out of it. 
fucking Final Fantasy VIII. Um, yeah, no, Final Fantasy IX, best old uh, game of the year for me. Did you, okay. did you happen to have one? I, nope. I know that you don't, yeah. I was going to say, I don't know if you've actually, like, uh, played any games that kind of fit that criteria. Not any that I have played the first time this year. If I did, like, that means, like, by default, it would be uh, Zach McCracken and the Alien Mindbenders, which <laughs> I am not going to okay. glorify that with a, an award of any I'm going kind. To loosen, I'm going to loosen the qualification, then. It just has to be an old game that you didn't finish until this year. And it it still has to be like it's it's got to be like pre PlayStation Two. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. A game I didn't finish before this year would have to be Zach McCracken, because that's oh, okay. like the there only was thing. nothing else. No, no, damn. Otherwise, it would be, if it's just like any old game I played through this year. Uh, um, Jammer Lammy, same as every year. You know what? Just just because I want there to be something like from you for this category and i definitely don't want it to be zach mccracken because i'm with you that does not deserve the recognition i say you just give it to um jammer lammy and i'll be okay with that okay great best old game right. 2019 um jammer lammy um jammer lammy is a great game so Absolutely. i feel great about it <laughs> being don't opposite of final fantasy all timber around yep yeah i think that uh, finally brings us to it though that's it. The game, game of, of the year. year. Yeah. Winner of the at the actual Golden Gizmo. Hmm. You. So like I start. said, I came up with uh, I came up with ten games for my All list. Right, here, you want me to? G- give me your ten through six, and then we'll alternate the top fives. Okay. Number ten, Sinran Kagura Burst <sighs> Renewal. Okay. I should have known. <laughs> You're just gonna goof on this. <laughs> that's the only that's the only goof, because I actually like sat down and was just like, well, I got like one through nine, but I need a number ten. And then I realized, oh, a Sinran Kagura game came out this year. That'd be funny. That'd piss Larry off. Well, you're uh, right. <laughs> number nine, Mario Maker 2. Okay. Uh n- number eight, Mortal Kombat eleven. Uh number seven, Tetris ninety-nine, and number six, Death Stranding. Okay, my number five is Death Stranding. What is your number five? I'm just, uh... I just know that you'll be mad that I put this at my number five instead of Death Stranding, but it's Link's Awakening. Yeah, whatever. It's fine. (laughs) I know you're not happy with me. My number four, Hypnospace Outlaw. Uh, my... (laughs) It's gonna be the same thing. My number four is Kingdom Hearts three. <laughs> Why is that above Death Stranding and Link's Awakening? I actually thought about it really hard before we did this podcast. That's and I'm just no. like, well, I played through all the other Kingdom Hearts games this year, and now I'm done with it. And that feeling is way better than anything that like Death Stranding or Link's Awakening brought out of me. This is garbage. This is a terrible list. <laughs> I'll 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 get into well, actually might as well. Just Kingdom Hearts 3, like for me, actually felt like a really good ending considering everything else that led up to that point and how much it drew all that shit out. It felt like a genuinely good release. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, I agree. Like I, I do think it's a good end for that, which is... It's surprising how non-convoluted it is, considering everything that's led up to it. Yeah. It actually explains itself and everything that happened before it, like, fairly well. Mm-hmm. Um... And like I, I the, the combat in that game did feel good to me. The, the the problem with that game is is too many of those worlds dragged on for way too damn long. Oh yeah. It fell into the same hole that the other games did where it's just like hey basically here's this Disney movie that's just kind of recapped to you in a way that is much more inferior than just watching the movie. Um like some of those worlds in general also were just not good. Like the Toy Story world and the Frozen world just flat out sucked. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for for me it was it was mostly just uh the, the combat felt great and also actually getting closure onto Kingdom Hearts as a series, uh I think made more of an impact on me than those other two games that did. Uh like Link's Awakening too. I, I really enjoy Link's Awakening, but like kind of what I mentioned earlier, it's still so damn close to the original Link's Awakening that I didn't really get anything super new from it, I guess. Um, well, let me tell you that in uh, Hypnospace Outlaw, one of your first assignments is that you have you get a report that there are unauthorized images of Gumshoe Gooper being posted on oh. websites. Oh, no, you gotta Gum- shut that down. Yeah, Gumshoe Gooper is a fish detective. And you go and you find that the images are like from a teacher that her kids drew for class oh. and she posted on the internet. And so you like take them down and then you can go back there later. And she has uploaded like a screed about the horrible enforcers <laughs> of Hypnospace <laughs> that hate children <laughs> and are deleting all of their stuff. I really need to play this. Yeah. This is the best game that I never heard of this year. I I know I've sent you pictures of it. You probably just you ignored probably them. probably have. Just all the alcohol made me forget, probably. Probably. The Al Ghul. Yeah, the like hundred old video games I played this year just like washed so much out of my brain. That I probably just forgot, like, the videos and the pictures that you sent me of it. Yeah, you spent so much time playing old games that you didn't play the few good ones that came out this year. Yeah, uh, Hypno Space Outlaw came out this year, Disco Elysium came out this year. Uh, instead of playing those two games, both the Arrow the Acrobats. So, you know what? Fuck me. I brought this on myself. Mm-hmm. I had to play <sighs> Phalanx because you were like, oh, this box art, I gotta see what the deal is with that. Yeah. Check out the archives of this podcast to find episodes about those back when it was called something that is perhaps legally actionable. Yeah. (laughs) Larry and George's legally actionable podcast. My number three, Disco Elysium. Hmm. My number three is Anno 1800. Don't uh, me about that. Come on. No, I would. No, no, no. It was a hmm. Oh, it was more like a uh. No, it was meant to be more like a hmm. Well, okay, but you should know that you definitely did a Ugh. I'm like the, ske- the, the Skeksky, the Skeksky, the Ske- oh, God, what do they call it in Skeksies. Dark Crystal? Ske- the Skeksky. 
like anytime you talk about Disco Elysium, I'm just like, hmm. Yeah. yeah. Then you just like, um, eat a bunch of gross food really sloppily. That, that is exactly what I did today <laughs> and yesterday. Just pick up a handful of spaghetti and shove it in your mouth. I had spaghetti and pizza yesterday and a bunch of chicken dinners today. Oh, I did I'm not it. eating so good. I wrote a bit about Disco Elysium. I said, uh, Disco Elysium is what happens when a bunch of weirdos try to make a police procedural version of Planescape Torment by way of David Lynch. The result is hilarious, terrifying, bizarre, and utterly enthralling. Just creating your character can be daunting as you're greeted with a Byzantine mess of various stats, but soon everything will make sense. Well, as much sense as anything makes in this game. Uh, Checks out with everything I know about Disco Elysium. My number two, Control. Hmm. Mine is Resident Evil 2 Remake. Okay, yeah. Uh, RE2 was probably my number six, if I had mm. to guess. But I did not make yeah. ten, because that was not the agreed upon <laughs> number. <laughs> Sure. Um, I made 10 just for funsies. I did that for me. Uh, yeah, no, I uh, I didn't get to talk about uh, Anno 1800. Uh, I was a big fan of Anno 1602 AD. Uh, I basically just kept playing that game up until about probably seven years ago when I had a computer that just like had an operating system that would not accept that disc anymore. Um, and then I, I played, I can't, I think it's like 2077 or something like that. Not a great Anno game. So I'm glad that like 1800 actually kind of like reigns it back into something that is much more familiar to me. And it also does like a much better job of actually explaining what the fuck is going on in that game. Like the story mode is basically just one giant tutorial. Uh, I actually understand Anno for the first time in my life and I'm not game overing before I get like my third level of inhabitants. So I'm enjoying that a whole lot. Uh, one knock against that game is its save system, which is a nightmare. Uh, you make a new save. You have your hard save. If you want a second hard save, you have to save the game and change the name. But anytime you're playing off a save, it is auto-saving over that save. So if you wanted to keep making safety saves then you need to keep renaming it and just hope some fucked up shit doesn't happen in autosave that, like, forces you to go back to something that is really, really old. Oh, weird. Point. Did that happen to you? Yeah, it is almost <laughs> like I beat 75% of that game, and I know it was 75 fucking percent because Uplay, a very handy feature in Uplay, uh, will give you, like, a completion percentage for uh, the games that you're playing. 75% into Anno 1800, and then I uh, I sided with this guy who's just... Oh, God, he's the fucking worst, too. Like, he has daddy issues that he keeps fucking bringing up in the game. Uh, <laughs> so, like, he, he's basically, like, that guy that, like, everybody hates, and he just doesn't kind of understand why. Like, that's the way they, they kind of contextualize his character. So for some reason, I sided with him. He immediately got into war and then broke our alliance, so I just perpetually remained in war, and their army, like, completely outclassed mine, destroyed a harbor that was story-critical and made me game over, and then the autosave was right on them starting their attack. So there was just no coming back from it. Okay. 
my my number four my number three uh game of the year <laughs> great no 1800 sounds really good actually it it is just sort of like keep in mind that the I wish I knew that the game was saving the way that it did. I could have probably avoided that stuff. So uh, I do think people should check out that game and probably keep that stuff in mind. Yes, I will if I ever play it when you play Mix like, actually, Free someday. Oh, uh, it was free for a week this last week. That's actually. not like which, you know what I which mean. is great because I bought it right before they did that and then beat it within that week. Um, Actually, I would say if I had to give any advice in the story mode, just never actually form an alliance with somebody because it's like guaranteed you will get into after that. Because uh, I kind of tested that out, and it's the case no matter who you end up forming an alliance. Great. Yeah, deadly alliance. Uh, number one, my game of the year winner of the Golden Gizmo of 2019, Devil May Cry 5. Hey Larry, my game of the year for 2019, my number one is also Devil May Cry 5. Wow. Uh, Shocking. What? Oh no. <laughs> the only thing we agree on in the whole thing. <laughs> well that actually make. this is something that I've I've noticed is very consistent about the Golden Gizmos, is we tend to agree on the game of the year. Uh no, there's compromises sometimes. Remember when uh I really wanted Nier Automata to win, but all three of us, including the dearly departed Danny, R.I.P., uh, decided it should be Mario Odyssey, because that was the thing yep. we could all agree on. But for me, it's Nier Automata. I can't believe he died in that Samus Aran figure arts-related accident. Yeah, he well, he he was playing Warframe too much and got dehydrated. Yeah. Rest in peace, Danny. R.I.P. Danny. This anyway, Devil May Cry 5. Golden Gizmo is dedicated to the memory of Danny. Yeah, it's the in memoriam <laughs> segment. Uh, <laughs> His tombstone just reads, Had to ration my insulin. <laughs> Alright, uh, I wrote... Uh, they did it! Those maniacs did it. They brought back the Devil May Cry franchise long thought dead after DMC 4's tumultuous development and then buried via the execrable, execrable DMC. I've never pronounced that word out loud before. And the result is the best entry yet. Sure, the V parts aren't great, but that's a minor quibble in what's otherwise an excellent example of how to make a video game-ass video game in 2019. It doesn't expire to be a movie, it doesn't bore you with exposition and world building and capital L lore, it wants you to get out there and slice up some bug demons, and Sparta bless it for that. Yeah, I wrote an impossibly uh, large amount of words about uh, Devil May Cry 5 that I will not uh, read oh. out, uh, because it pretty much is a, a less elegant way of saying everything that you just said. Okay. Uh, my writing... <laughs> My writing's not as good as yours, I accept this. Um, except uh, I actually enjoyed these segments of the game. There there was not a, uh, a single character that I felt... Um, like, I, I think a lot of these games where you kind of divide the campaign into different characters and they all kind of play a little bit differently. Like, for me, there's usually one character who I just don't really want to play as. There's always a big the cat somewhere in there. Sure. Uh, but Devil May Cry 5, like, I actually had a great time with uh, V and Nero and Dante. Like, 
I, I thought Dante the V stuff my favorite was, one out of all of them, but the V stuff was fine. It was just that it's like it was really easy and kind of boring and mashy compared to the rest, which was kind of the main thing. Mm. It Whereas, was definitely yeah, it was definitely easier than the the other two. But. Yeah, with the others, like I felt like I was in full control all the time and doing really cool stuff all the time. And with him, it's kind of like, oh, I'll just mash square a while and the bird thing will shoot at them and the panther thing will run around and occasionally... Oh, I think not Adam Driver reading poetry as he does better. <laughs> yeah, that's this pretty is... good. Yeah, God. Um... Dickless Adam Driver. <laughs> so... So, uh, kind of, kind of a theme for me about gaming in 2019 has uh, been discovery. Like, I, I going back and playing all these old games and kind of wanting to uh, dive into games that, like, I mostly just had like an osmotic relationship with, uh, like Final Fantasy IX. You know, I knew what Final Fantasy IX was, but I never sat down and actually played it. Um, Kingdom Hearts and Devil May Cry were were very much uh, in that category too, where I. You know, I played the first Kingdom Hearts. I never played any of the other other ones. This year, I played all of them through Kingdom Hearts 3, uh, Devil May Cry. I never played any of them. And I played them all except for two because I was warned repeatedly not to do that. Uh, and yeah, like, I, I think that 5 is the best one of those. Like, each one has felt better than the one before. They They iterate on that core gameplay without deviating too much from it. And five feels like a solid continuation of that. It just feels really damn right. It, it's the thing about four is <laughs> that it was not finished or it was like rushed out, and that's the biggest knock about it. Actually, playing it, it's great. It's yeah, but, a uh, trophy feeling game. Yeah, and so here in five, like they iterated further, and then also were able to have time to make a full game instead of making the second half the first half again, but backwards. So, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, and it feels completely faithful to the uh, to at least three of the four games that came before it. Uh, <laughs> sure. Like, it, it definitely... I'm trying to think of how to put this exactly. You don't really get these kind of games this generation. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of the point but I it, was saying, is it's... It's yeah. a video game video game. Yeah, but but it has like it it benefits from this generation in a really big way too. Just they're they're able to really milk it graphically. Like aesthetically it I'm trying to think of how to word this exactly and I really don't know where I'm going with it. I I really dig Devil May Cry 5 like I, I, I played Vanquished and I played Bayonetta before I jumped into any of the Devil May Cry games, and like those are excellent games, but I think I kind of understand now why people like revere Devil May Cry so much. Well, yeah, I mean, the first ones are... like They started that whole thing, so it's not really fair to compare them to later games no. that were influenced. So, like, Platinum's whole thing is basically we're gonna rip off Devil May Cry 3. Uh, so yeah. like, even when Bayonetta came out, I was like, "Oh man, Hideki Kamiya is making a Devil May Cry game, but with a hair lady." And uh, so yeah, it, it's great games. Devil May Cry Five included. Yeah, yeah, got the whole the whole gang there too. You got a lady, 
Uh-huh. Uh, you got Trish? Trish no longer in blackface. Why am I black? Okay, yeah, Trish no, no longer in blackface, yes. Um, you have a, another character in there who, uh, I don't know, should I say? <laughs> I don't know if that would be considered a spoiler at this point. Who? Virgil? Yeah, okay. yeah of course. Yeah. Virgil's in there. Yeah, he's back. Which, I mean... Gang's all the, here. The very yeah, Nico, she's flying at him, you in a fucking van. It shows him cutting uh, Nero's arm off at the beginning, so it's not like a surprise. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I don't know. Like, uh, I felt that stuff was obvious with uh, V actually, like, b- being part of Virgil. Um, yeah, it, his name's V. Yes, but... Like at the same time, they still treat that like it's a like it's a twist when they get to it. Yeah, which well, it is cool when he like merges with the demon king, whatever. Yeah. Although I yeah, still like, don't know why Virgil looks so weird in five. You can get a mega buster for Nero, and then he does the Mega Man jump. Yeah, it has those really good live action cutscenes that they animated over. <laughs> <laughs> oh god i really hope that we get like a devil may cry 6 like like the thing that i also appreciate about this game uh similar to the way that i felt about kingdom hearts 3 was it does like wrap everything up uh but at least in the case of devil may cry 5 it just wraps stuff up for dante um uh, like in a way that felt very satisfying to me like i like where they kind of left off his character and i don't feel that i need anything more from dante and then they still got like Nero set up that if they wanted to do more with Devil May Cry, that's the direction that they can go in. And, I, uh, I also feel like this really game like sort Nero of a lot. yes, this game makes Nero much more likable than he was in four. Like in four, he was fine, yeah. but he was like angsty kid and whatever. This one, he's a lot more confident, and he is much more like a young Dante. Yes, yeah. Uh, I think that in like a, a lot of long running franchises are ones that people appreciate as much as devil may cry like replacing the main character would be a very controversial move but i think that like devil may cry 5 sets up the future of the franchise being with nero in a way that like does not feel like a negative to me right and it, like his uh the devil bringer thing i like how they found a way around that like he doesn't have the demon arm anymore Instead, he just has a robot arm, which can do the same things, but also new stuff. Yeah. Uh, and that whole system is also great, like having um, different abilities for all the arms. Like one can let you double jump or whatever, and it's it's great. I, yeah, one I arm can't just... praise five enough. One arm just is a fork that lets you eat spaghetti. <laughs> sure. <laughs> spaghetti arm. Uh, yeah, no, I I really like the whole uh, the, the presentation of buying that stuff too, being in uh, Nico's van and just going through the wheel of arms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, it should it's be noted the spaghetti, of... the spaghetti uh, or pasta bringer, as it's called, and the Mega Buster yes. are only in the deluxe edition. You have to buy, mm. which is also where you yeah. get the live action cutscene. So I'm going to say it's worth it. Yeah, uh, you know I. Uh, I would say that Nico Shop is in the all-time greatest video game shops. Absolutely, uh, it is up there. It is up there for me with uh, the merchant from Resident Evil Four, and uh, the the weird little monster guy from Popful Mail. That's like, yeah, what do you want, babe? And he's smoking a cigar. <laughs> that guy's good. 
Yes, he is excellent. Um, also, about, I, I uh, like the how... Pig from Cuphead. Ooh, that'd be my number four, I think. I don't think that beats out Pawful Males. Okay. Um, so, I also really like how they, like, folded in the uh, animated Devil May Cry lore into yes. the, like, plot of the actual game, too. I, like, I that was, was just neat. about... I was going to mention that when you said about how it wrapped up Devil or, uh, Dante's story. I was going to say, yeah, it's weird how they just had characters from the anime in there with no explanation of who they are. Yeah. It just accepts... It, it accepts that if you're playing Devil May Cry 5, you're probably a fan of Devil May Cry. Yeah, except also one of the characters, like that one guy was black now, I think, and he wasn't in the anime. Yeah, that is a little weird. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that that's something else that I think is definitely in that game's favor is uh, as being somebody who definitely came into Devil May Cry new this year. Uh, I think Devil May Cry 5 is a very accessible game. Um, I think that if you have not played any of the other ones you owe to yourself to go back and play those before getting into five but if you just want to jump right into five you could easily do so um but at the same time five is definitely like made for the fans of that series too uh that there is a lot more to get out of that if you've been following it up to that point right like all right full spoilers but like um i mean i guess we already talked about the virtual stuff yeah. but the bit at Which the is end, like the biggest spoiler in that game, even though it's super obvious. No, to me, the biggest spoiler is when Nero gets his devil trigger at the end. Mm-hmm. Like, that's so good when he's rang up, and then you. Like, the next to last chapter being that really hard boss fight against Virgil, and then the actual last chapter is he gets his devil trigger, and you just get to wail on him and destroy him completely. Yeah, that is that is pretty damn good, especially because like I kept dying to that initial boss fight against Virgil. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Yeah, so just getting to flip the table, like that's actually uh, something to uh, appreciate about the the way that they handled the characters and how different they felt, and kind of like playing up the more um, I guess emotional core to that fight too. Like Dante is much older, and Virgil Virgil is still virile. And it's just whipping your ass because you're an old man. Well, yeah, because Virgil's been hanging out in, like, demon form or whatever. And so he's fresh and Dante's just been hanging out in a Devil May Cry being old. Yeah, Dante's just out there uh, fishing with Gohan while Virgil is in the hyperbolic time chamber just fucking going at it like a Mm -hmm. beast. He's in the fucking capsule corp ship putting it up to 200 times gravity yeah this also is the only way i can contextualize power differences in characters and fiction anymore my brain is broken and i need help hooray we're all broken in a little way right this is a genuine cry for help please that's the goal in um, gizmos congratulations to devil may cry 5 yeah even though you and I, I think, uh, pretty much were settled on that about halfway through the year. Yeah. Uh, yes, a few months ago I had said that Doom Eternal was probably the only shot of unthroning uh, Devil May Cry 5 from my favorite of the year, and that game got delayed, so here we are. Yep. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, congratulations to 2020's game of the year, Doom Eternal. Most likely. That or Ghosts yeah. of Tsushima, I'm gonna say, are my predictions. Yeah, 
the thing I worry about with that, though, is just whether or not it will be hampered by uh, being on PlayStation 4 hardware rather than PlayStation 5. It's still just a weird choice to me, like releasing that game on the PlayStation 4 exclusively and then doing it in the dead-ass middle of summer. I still think it's there's going to be a PS5 version. There is. There definitely is. It just, to me, it seems like that would have been, you're kind of just putting the PS4 one out there to die at that point. Yeah. But that should have just been like, hey, it's not a PlayStation 4 game anymore, it's PS5. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Whatever. I'm probably That's... not going to buy it when it comes out. Yeah. Because, for one thing, I don't think there are going to be like major spoilers for it that I would care about. Second, uh, by the time November rolls around and the PS5's out, I'll at least know, does it run better on the PS5, or is there just an actual PS5 version of it? And mm-hmm. if there is not a PS5 version of it, then the PS4 version will be $20. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to think what else has come out next year that uh, could potentially be Game of the Year material. I'm I'm looking forward to the Final Fantasy VII remake, which I don't think that's going to be like Game of the Year for me, but uh, probably a strong contender for like Remake of the Year. What about Cyberpunk? Uh, this... Cyberpunk, I think, actually might be... For me, I could I could really see it either being Doom or or Cyberpunk because everything I've seen about Cyberpunk has looked super interesting to me. But Doom is Doom. That yeah. last Doom was a really fucking good video game. Yes, winner of the Golden Gizmo the year it came out. Yeah, yeah, and if it, if Doom Eternal is just more than more of that, then hell yeah, I could see that being game of the year. Um, yeah, it's, uh, what, what else is um? Well, the Resident Evil Three remake is is sure. also going to be a th- um, uh, I I don't really know beyond that what's coming out next year. It's just that uh, like March and April, everything is really concentrated for me because that's the Final Fantasy VII remake, Cyberpunk, Doom Eternal, and uh, Resident Evil Three. And beyond that, yeah, it's like kind of a clean slate until Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, the new Yakuza game comes out next year, so there's that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm looking at a list of like what's coming out in 2020, and oh boy, this is like listing everything by month. And <laughs> 2020 is a is a real end of a generation ass year. <laughs> it's a it's a real hey we got consoles coming out in Christmas year. So there's there's not a not a hell of a lot. Yeah, and speaking of remakes, who boy. Oh yeah, there's um, uh, the Xenoblade Chronicles one for Switch. Uh, oh, that's Oddworld also just Stranger's kind of like Wrath HD where, for the Switch. What? This also just kind of where games are at in general right now. Though, though, with like a major releases, it just takes so much time and money and effort to get a game out that it 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 feels like it feels like things are much much thinner than they were the generation before this. Oh, meanwhile, um, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus comes out February 6th, so um, congratulations to winner of Best Graphics of 2020. That's an Arc System Works game. You put them out, then our hands are tied. Oh, yeah, I mean, if one of those types of games comes out, it's got to win it. Because honestly, they do look better than anything else. They do, yeah. Um, Hey, I mean... 
We got that Dragon Ball RPG coming out next year. <laughs> that thing looks so bad. I still well, like how they're billing that as an RPG when it's just another one of like the Budokai Ten- Tenkaichi games. It's just another one of those. What? Like they're about... trying to gussy it up as something different, but they can't fucking fool me. It's exactly one of those games again. What about that uh, Avengers game with like all the off-brand Avengers? God, right. I forgot about that thing. That looks <sighs> boring to me, yes, I does. guess. Like nothing that they showed from that actually looks super interesting to me. Oh, good. Here's the uh, to be announced. Why does this okay. have Death Stranding listed here? I guess PC. because the PC. Yeah, but it says PlayStation 4 and PC. Uh, Cook Serve oh, Delicious know. 3 is out next year. I would assume that is somebody did not update the Wikipedia article. This is on Game Informer. Oh, then. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to blame Tim Turry for this one, even though he isn't there Was anymore. It Oh, right. I was about to say Tim Turry's sleeping on the job, then I remembered he's over at Capcom now. Disaster Report 4 out next year for us. I believe that's out. I think that just came out in Japan. Mm. God, I love that Disaster would be good, Report. That would be a good category. A Japanese import that came out way after the fact, and then we would just give that to Yakuza every year. That <laughs> now, they release now they're coming Yakuza. out pretty soon, at least, so... Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't quite work anymore. Uh, Evil Genius 2 out next year. Mm. Uh, when is Shinmu 3 coming out? What? <laughs> Nothing, it's a bad joke. Who? who? Shin, Shinmu 3 came out this year, and I totally forgot about that until he started bringing up, like, Yakuza's and stuff. So, <laughs> Look, hey, you know, Shinmu 3... I sort of considered for most Moxie because they just made yeah. a Shinmua game game again because I, I I kind of just started considering that because like from what I've seen of that game they really fucking made a Shinmu again they absolutely like right did. down to the quality of the voice acting and yeah man I don't know maybe that is most Moxie it's weird that they were able to recapture the specific vibe of Shinmu I guess that's just you Suzuki. At work, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it, it. That game legitimately looks like it was. It looks like they had that finished on a hard drive in like 2004, and just <laughs> never got to the point of pressing discs. Oh man, here on this list, two of them that uh, gonna be really good for me: Oddworld Soulstorm and One Piece Pirate Warriors Four. I don't care about that, but the Odd World thing. <laughs> You never even played the Pirate Warriors game I bought you. I did. No, you didn't. You didn't really yes, play I did. it. You I've didn't really played a decent get into it. it. I've I've realized over time that Dynasty Warriors is uh not for me. How dare you? Psychonauts two out next year. Oh, forgot that Psychonauts two is also happening. Eh, I don't know. Uh, the Good Life, which is uh. The new sweary game. Oh, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2. So that's good. I'll, I'll believe a sweary game uh, is out when it's out. Because I still remember what happened with D4 never actually finishing. It still came out, though. Yeah, but it was still supposed to be like an episodic thing, so it feels completely incomplete. Well, sure, but it still came out. It's like this one is not an episodic thing. 
could get two months to release, and then Swery's just like, I'm gonna go be a monk again, peace. And then his <laughs> game never comes out. I don't fucking know what that dude. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but I backed the Kickstarter for The Good Life, and there have been a bunch of development updates, and it seems like it's coming along, so I don't know. I, I hope so. I really hope so. I'm still not sure Swery exactly what the game a... is, is the thing. Yeah, hey, I don't know what the fuck exactly D4 is, and I never will. Well. Okay. You hurt there, me with the... that, and I will not forgive him. There's a cat girl. And uh, there's that one guy who like does yeah. the wavely arm thing, and yeah, you got the you got the dude, uh, the uh, I believe he was modeled after Guillermo del Toro when he picks up all those pizza slices and eats them like he's Shaggy, and he starts getting in a fight with you about clam chowder. Then you're on a plane for some reason, and there's a mannequin. This is everything that I remember about D4. I should replay D4. All right, Golden Gizmo is wrapped up. It's the end of the year. Yep. We'll see you next year. Yeah. So. Yeah. Catch you on the flip flop. Congratulations to Doom Eternal, uh, Golden Gizmo twenty twenty. Most likely, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. There's still time for them to bungle it. Uh, but between now and then, uh, we'll we'll be back uh, next week and in the weeks after with the Destroy All Children podcast where we will talk about basically whatever. Hooray! Yeah, finally, we realized after doing a bunch of podcasts that had like a specific subject that the thing that we like to do actually is just fucking talking about bullshit. Mm-hmm. So get used to us talking about Burt's Ward's dog foods. <laughs> for more for my Burt's Ward's dog's foods you've turned into a uh, Toki from Metalocalypse my brain is shutting down I talked about video games for too long I'm very tired this podcast is over get fucked 2019 congratulations Devil May Cry 5 bye 2019 you really sucked see you later 2019 Nintendo in 2020 please release a game that does not have a frame rate that fucking sucks. I'd appreciate it. You're They're releasing fan, Tokyo sure. Mirage Sessions FE for the Switch. I'm excited. Oh, there you go. Uh, Re-release of the year 2020. <laughs> Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Probably. Yeah. All right, let's shut the podcast off. I'm done. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>